0: Good morning, welcome, and thanks for joining us. 580-5436-580-KIDO. That's our number. If you prefer email, it's Dave at petsofinancial.net. You know, it's interesting as we go into a week like this, and I'm going to talk about this quite a bit in the second hour, where we've had a decent market and earnings have actually been pretty positive. But they were supposed to be terrible, and we know they're going to go down at some point in time. We just know it. We just keep If we say it long enough, that will make us right when it actually happens. It just hasn't happened yet. So, earnings are coming through fine. Outlooks, in some cases, not so fine. But there was absolute certainty heading into this earnings season, there would be misses. It would just not work out. And there have been some, of course. But one thing was absolutely sure on Thursday after the market closed. And actually, it happened Wednesday after the market closed as well. But there's basically four major companies that drive the market. Why? Well, the index and all that. We can can talk about the cap-weighted nature of the index. But they're also the big guys, it's Google, it's Amazon, it's Apple, and it's Facebook. Why? Because, well, they control advertising, which is a very strong indicator of the economy. They actually could control the dialogue. We all know that. They, we know that the leftists that are controlling these companies are, in fact, incredibly biased. And that's why they get in trouble even in Europe, if you can imagine that, but they do all the time. Google pays $10 billion for fine for this. and I mean, it just happens constantly. Just not here. These companies are so rich and so powerful. They're huge drivers of the market because their stocks consume so much, percentage-wise, of the market. Their profits are massive. Their cash flow is massive. And it also indicates how is the economy going because of advertising. So we knew for sure on Wednesday, it was an absolute disaster. Facebook was is, of course, completely lost. Mark Zuckerberg, I don't know, he's just too busy in politics or something to figure out how to do the metaverse, or should he even not be doing the metaverse? Who knows? But he can't compete against TikTok. It's becoming a really big problem. Is Facebook on the way out of business? Most people think not. But its stock price is reflecting years ago, and profits declining at a massive rate. Or well, you can say that's wrong. I can say it's wrong. But that's the collective. All the people that want to buy the stock at this level and all the people that want to sell it at this level, they agree it's at this level. That's what makes a market. I know, sometimes we just have to stay, take a step back. I do. We all do, and realize that really is all there is. It doesn't matter if one analyst likes it or doesn't like it. It, it just is what it is. I may think it's cheap, and it may become cheaper. My, I, I can have whatever opinion I want. It's just my opinion. The market sets the price. The market sets the value. It does. Not me. So anyway, as we look at it, and we look at these big companies on Wednesday. Missing the mark. Facebook was completely a disaster. Just a total disaster. Google's next. It gets crashed. I mean, it's just absolutely terrible. What we know now is that big tech is in trouble. Next comes Amazon. And it's terrible. I can't even believe that Amazon, after being down, whatever, 30%, falls 20%. 20% in after hours. One of the biggest companies in the world, down 20% in a second. Wow. Wow. It was incredible. And then with absolute certainty, the analysts get on. (laughs) And they are absolutely sure. They're so sure that when Apple announces what turns out to be, and the feeling of the market is, a good earnings announcement, a, the stock has been down all day in anticipation of a poor earnings announcement, because everybody else is. B, it starts o- off down. And now everybody's really sure, well, these are not good numbers. This isn't good here. And look over here. And they're trying to find little hickeys on the uh, on the earnings report. And And... and and, you know, of course, there's always going to be something on there. You know, well, it looks like, you know, the earbud sales are down. You know, okay, well, that's disastrous. That's amazing. And it, it missed in it, it estimates. There's always something that's going to be a little bit off, right? But they're picking it apart, and, but with absolute certainty that one after the other, they begin talking about the death of big cap tech in the market right now. Like, they'll come back, but not right now. Can't own them. This whole market's gonna figure it out. And one voice, it was very interesting to me. One voice, and I don't often listen to CNBC for any reason at all, but when the big companies announce, and there's these two days, right? Yesterday like I said, Wednesday and Thursday, right? Those were the big announcement days for the big four. And there's many, many others. I mean, you know, just for if you want to die of boredom, then there's Honeywell. You know, only this little tiny company over here. Raytheon over here. You know, there is a huge number of companies. But these are the guys that drive it. And 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 so I listen. Markets closed, waiting for these calls. And I'm listening to the commentary. And the certainty. And I mean, it's like this is an exciting moment for the CNBC crew. Why? Because people are watching. They know they are. And they're like, countdown to Apple's earnings. Well, with absolute certainty, they know that it's not going to be good. And one after the other, how the market can't work, won't work, because big cap tech is too important. And it's dead. I mean, it's dead. Nobody's going to own it. One guy says... You know, I don't see what's wrong with Apple's earnings here, honestly. i just like to hear from the panel. One guy, and he's like the Apple guy. He's he one of those guys, right? He this is, this is his, who he follows. He is well thought of, and that's why he's on. And they're like, well, there's this number, that number, and all they're really doing, and this is a key, this is what I wanted to drive at. All they're really doing is following the market. And pretending to be on top of it. They're really good at knowing what is right in front of you. Like you're, like you're looking at a green tree. And it'd be like, uh, and we're looking at a green tree. And it's like, uh, yeah, okay, wow. But you said that with such authority. I mean, it's like, you really know about green trees. And so it's like, yeah, tech earnings are down and nobody likes it. It's like, yeah, the market shows that tells you nothing and they follow that trend then the next day when the market turns around which it did you'll hear the exact same people as like well there's some bargain hunters hitting it out there and it was incredible what a great turn and and as it turns out you know looking at those earnings numbers investors really liked what apple had to say yeah thank you and yesterday with absolute certainty you just told me they hate it and it can't go anywhere and this is what we tend to allow into our souls, our hearts and souls about our feelings about investments. We do. We can't help it. These people are like experts, aren't they? And they're really good at what they do, which is nothing. They don't do anything. They just talk. They just talk. And they, and they can pretend. It's like watching Jim Cramer. Like, oh, nothing good can happen. And then the market goes up 1,000 points. It's like, oh, man, it's just so great. You shouldn't believe I'm I mean, what a turn. And he's like, super happy dude. It's absurd. He was dead wrong, and now he jumps on the other side of it and pretends he was always there. That's so true of all of them. And it makes people feel like there's a way to be trading the market, so to speak. What was the best thing to do with your Apple stock heading into earnings this time as the stock went down down down? Everybody knew that tech's earnings were going to be terrible. Hold it. But everybody knew. Everybody knew it was going to go down. Everybody knew all the tech stuff. And then Apple, the largest company in the world, goes up almost 8% on Friday. But everybody knew. Everybody knew. And everybody was wrong. Because as it turned out, Nobody knew. But everybody knew with great confidence because they all sounded like parrots. Wah, 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 I really like what Joe said. I really like what Mary said. I really like what Bob said. It's all bad. It's all bad all day long, all the time. We can't buy these, can't own these. I really like what Mary said over there. This is crazy. But this is business reporting. And it's amazing. I'm not just here to make fun. It, has, it impacts our souls and our feeling about investments and what we would have, could have, should have done. Because they are so good at pretending they were on top of this. And they had sold their Google positions months ago. Did they? Had they? Oh, I thought that they had sold it years ago. You remember last time they went down and it was right then and you were like out of it and then, yeah, uh-huh. And you just kind of swung out and got back in and it was all good. No, uh, uh-uh. nobody does that, but they pretend well, and it leads people to think they could be trading this market and you can't, you just really can't. And you can always say, well, I, I can, and I, or I know this guy or, okay, then I can't get through, you know, you can't, you know how you argue with people that just aren't listening. Like, why? Why? (laughs) Sky is blue. No, it's not. Okay. I I don't even know how to convince you. I just don't. But the Market Timing Hall of Fame has nobody in it, and yet we feel during times like this where there's great swings in the market. We can. We should. And the more we listen, the more we're sure that those very people who, when you stop and listen to what they said yesterday— and now today is the dead opposite. How can that be? Because they're always right, aren't they? So let's go now to Jim Cramer. I gotta say, you know what? My bad. Phew. I've been super negative for the last two thousand points. My bad. You know, I I just I was telling people to get out, and <laughs> I mean it was straight up, straight up. I don't know what I was thinking. I wasn't, I guess. I'd have never heard that from anyone. And that's why they shift and makes people feel like they can trade. All right, i got to take a quick break. Our number is 580-5436-580-KIDO. It's Dave at PetzlFinancial.net. We'll be right back. Hello, welcome, and thanks again for joining us. 580-5436-580-KIDO, Dave at net. You know, in the in the second hour, I'm going to talk about a number of different things because there's a lot going on beneath the headline volatility. You know, and, 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 and it's always funny to me how we see all these headlines, right? Like October, the best October in... I don't know, 53 years. Okay. Whatever that means, it means nothing. You know, it's uh, October, is supposed to be spooky because we've had a couple market crashes in October. Okay. What does that have to do with this? It's like, it's sometimes it's like watching a, a baseball game or, you know, any sporting event, you know, it's like, well, we've never seen a kicker. Who has kicked three field goals in the first quarter and then missed three in the second quarter since 1958? Oh, okay, uh, I don't even. How do you come up with it? Giant computers, I guess, just sort sift data, and you know, t- to irrelevant things. And we do that in in investing as well. I've talked about this so much, but I I, I always kind of have to gravitate back, and it's fun to talk about because it makes me think. In a, of it in a different way, too. And so as, as I pull up charts that show that the average P.E. ratio, you know, is 16.5 for the last 25 years, okay? Like, that is super relevant. It's a well-studied, highly quoted m- number in the market, okay? And, and it's true in an absolute sense. It is absolutely the average for the last 25 years. That is just a fact, Okay. So when the market is higher than 16.5, you often get people out, of, well, the Schiller index, which has not been right for, you know, 14 of the last 15 years, but that's all right. We want to quote it because it's really smart and he's a Nobel Prize winning economist. So even if I'm wrong, almost all the time. Anyway, they quote it all the time. Like the market's overpriced because it's, you know, it's above. It's uh, trending 16.5. Okay. Based on what? Are are, are earnings at Google and Amazon, do they kind of like think of the company the same way as the Ford Motor Company? Or think of the big company, uh, Exxon Mobil. Uh, 20 years ago, top three biggest companies in the world. Almost irrelevant today. Although they did have a really stellar quarter. You get the point. Earnings are different now. Amazon doesn't go around saying... We are all about making the gap earnings numbers. They don't. They're about growing their business. But we're all stuck on 16.5. Now, I'm going to run out of time this hour, so I'm going to come back to this thought, but I want you to understand and think about a chart with all these squiggles and all this data, and whether it's on inflation, it's on interest rates, it's directionally for the stock market. We all want to put things down to a spreadsheet don't we so we can prove something we can't prove the future so we can feel comfortable because it's so uncertain we'll talk to you after fox news good morning and thank you for joining us Five eight zero five four three six five eight zero kido dave at net. all right so give us a call this week and Uh, By the way, next week, Jennifer Stone's going to come back, which I have her on about once a quarter, and she'll be coming back next week. So I have no idea what she's going to talk about. But I'm here today, so give us a call at 580-KIDO. Also, I want to, again, say, as we always do, these are my opinions, my opinions only, and we're not here to tell you what to buy, 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 or sell, sell, sell. And that's really silly, stupid, and misleading. End of story. Okay? And actually, I really mean that, by the way. You know, for somebody that's been doing this for as long as I have, it is stunning to hear the stories of people that maybe said, you know, I was listening to you 30, 35 years ago, and this is what I did. And, and it just thank you for sharing that. And if 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 you have a story like that, and I, you don't have to call us up or anything, but I, I'd, I'd like to hear it too. You know, it's sometimes those stories not only encourage me, but they also add to, if you will, the storyline for everybody. Because everybody can change. Everybody does change. For the better or for the worse. We're, we're moving the right direction, and hopefully we can continue to push and steer our little ships that way. And we all get off course multiple times in our life. I don't know of anybody that doesn't and in, in, in some way in their life. And as I've said many, many times when it comes to money— It's not a, I got this, because I don't got it. I don't. We all have tendencies, God-given tendencies, about everything in our life. The way we feel about everything. The way we love, the way we deal with our finances, the way of every single thing. And our tendencies are wired in certain ways that are just not like right up the middle. So you say, oh, well, I've, I've, I never take on any debt. I've, I've, I've got lots and lots of money. And that, does that mean you're really good with money? I don't know. It may be, it, it, it's better than, in my opinion, than somebody who's always in debt. Right. But, but my tendency is to cling a little too tight. Right. I mean, just like, you know, I kind of want to be more generous, but, and it's harder for me. So I've made some changes in my life that doesn't take the tendency away. I have to give. I have to. I'm compelled to. Because if I don't, it becomes even more all about me. So I'm not perfect with money. I just know how to make it. I do. I know how to grow it in investments and all those things. And so we're all kind of fighting this thing together and talking about it. It it helps me, too. So I want people to add to the storyline, right? Right add to the storyline. So I'd love to hear from you. It's just had this, been this really fun thing the last couple of weeks where I've had some 30 35 year stories. And 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 I've been around long enough that people passing away and I hear about their parents, you know, and stuff like that that were regular listeners and passed on some you know, it's just kind of a – anyway, it's very encouraging, but it's also part of the story to share. So I hope you will take the time to do that. I want, to, I want to shift gears just a little bit and go back to what we were talking about, and that is the, the spreadsheet investing, if you will. This, this idea that, that human beings can somehow take down to some level of proving that the market's going to go up or down. Is it, well, you can't prove that. Nobody does that. You can't prove. You can't prove the future. We think we can. We think we can analyze enough data to figure out that the Seahawks are going to cover a three and a half point spread today. We do. And yet casinos, online gambling, they get rich. They get rich off of sports betting. How? They really only take 5%. If it's easy, I I could beat 5%. Analyzing the data that's a sporting event. Do you know how many different components go into something like the stock market? Yeah, it makes us. It makes human beings and whether they're sick or feeling great or dropped a ball at the wrong time, the referees got in a play at the wrong time, all these things that are like a thousand different things. Well, there's a billion different things when it comes to markets. And I know, and we all simplify it because we want to bring it all down. Well, the market, what does the market every day do? It goes up or down, but on what? Come on, come on, raise your hand. I know, the Federal Reserve. The hope that the Reserve was going to not raise rates as much or it's going to be terrible because this happened. It's all about the Fed all the time. It's not about corporate profits, ladies and gentlemen. Don't ever think that. (laughs) Of course it is. They get it wrong every single day, but they have to put it on one thing. The market, so we have this funny little cartoon. And it's, uh, I think it's out of the New Yorker or something. It is old, 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 right? 30 years or something. It just sits there in the kitchen and sits there. And in a while I laugh and says, that's exactly right. The market, it says, so there's a commentator at the desk. The market today edged along sideways and kind of looked awkward as it did. It's, I'm, I'm paraphrasing it. It's not precise. That's exactly what it did. In other words, thanks for tuning in. The market didn't do anything. <laughs> it just kind of moved sideways. That's what it does almost all the time. Kind of moved around, didn't do much. But every day we're telling him it's Federal Reserve. It's all about Federal Reserve. It's all about interest rates. It's all it is. And then we get into the data like P.E. ratios. Because we sound really smart. Because... I'm really smart and because I, I know for an absolute fact that the P-E ratio that's been around forever and ever and ever, amen, is 16.5. Which has occurred in the hundreds and hundreds of trading days over the 25-year period that this is true, statistically true, nine times. So it actually sells at its average P-E ratio about 0.1% of the time. So 99.9% of the time, it's not on the average. But what do you hear babbled all the time? Ah, oh, another data for the spreadsheet. Mhm. So PEs are too high. And I can take that to bed, put that in my spreadsheet, and I on top of that get to sound pretty smart tomorrow as I talk about PE ratios being too high. Cuz it's higher than 16.5. As it is, pretty much half the time, a little more than half time. Half the time, it's below 16.5. And so it's super cheap and has no indication it's going to go higher. And nine days, 0.1% of the time, whatever, I'm making it up. Maybe it's 0.01. I don't know. But well over 99% of the time, it's not on the average. It's not, and uh, and in order to have the average, this is what happens. So so now Wall Street, <coughs> this is <coughs> what they do: they sit around and pay a bunch of people, economists, market strategists, and they come up and they chew up all this data, and they go at sixteen point five, and our. Multiple for that is 16.5 for the market. Now, all we have to do is get to get right is we now have to know what the earnings for the SP 500 will be. Well, says Bob Pisani to you know, okay, so the analysts are now thinking it's right around $204 per share, down from 210. That's not a good indicator for the future here. Okay, so now it's 204. But if we had 210, and now we're going to have a recession. So I'm going to take this, 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 oh, I got it. It's 200. So now we multiply by 16.5. There's the S&P 500 for you. Right there, that's our target for the year. Here's what I guarantee you. It won't even be close. But they'll say it with great authority, great certainty. And they most certainly are paid greatly to act certain. They're not right. And we look for this data all the time, and what it does, once again, it permeates our soul to think we can do things that we have predictive powers that we don't. We can't get right. We never get right. That guy over there that sounds really smart doesn't get it right. What you get right is general trend right. That's all you get. This lunacy of predicting where the S&P is going to close the end of the year is crazy. It's crazy. Saying the market is high because it trades at 17 times earnings instead of 16.5 is crazy. Well, what about interest rates? Where are they at? Directionally, what do you think profits are doing? Or dare you just go ahead and be wrong like everybody else and make a wild, why don't you pull something out of your derriere and and just make up something? That's what they do. Oh, I think we're going to be 195 on the earnings this year. Why not? <laughs> just throw an outlier at them. I think it'll be 240 because I think we're going to go to a great boom next year. Okay. You get it. They're all wrong all the time, but we we grind it down into spreadsheets. And it's our natural human tendency. And once again, I'm going to give the boat analogy. You cling on to money too tight or you just can't hang on to any money at all. Either way, you fall out of the boat. Now we take our little spreadsheets and we try to figure out, can we analyze this? And then we get into the situation where it's like, well, I never even analyze. I just run by the seat of my pants. Okay, that's smart, isn't it? You don't want to actually know anything about anything. Well, I think that the market's going to go to 19,000. Based on what? Well, now you're asking me hard questions. I just think it is. Okay. I think that magic fairy dust is going to appear in my hands pretty soon, and that's what I think. We do this all the time. I think the Seahawks will cover the spread. I think, and people do it with no analysis at all. None. Okay, that's one, one part. Boom, out of the boat they fall. No analysis, no caring. I just run my whole life by the seat of my pants. Okay. On the other extreme is what we call analysis to paralysis. We overanalyze till we do nothing about anything, we're trapped. We're trapped in our own spreadsheet. We're trapped in our own brains. We're trapped in our own lives of doing nothing. You know, sometimes it's, a, it's like this simple thing. It's like, okay, so I have a workout plan, okay? And I, and I, I generally have one. And it, it, of how many days a week I want to work out. That's it. That's it. I want to make sure I get some activity every day. And after, after that, that's about it, okay? Certain number of days, I want to go in and sweat. That's my plan. Well, and I know people. I know me. Okay, so Monday I'm going to do this, and this is the only way I was able to conquer Roby Creek so long ago. I'm not bragging about it, but getting off the couch and doing Roby Creek, the only way I could do that is to have a daily plan. Today I will try to run one mile, because I couldn't run a mile then, and then it became you know 1.5, and then I had all these other things doing. Right? They had, a, they had a sheet, a plan. That you had to do. So when it's really hard, I had to have that. Now, if you're just trying to kind of basically, you know, hang on to whatever sense of physical well-being you have, you walk or whatever you do. Just go do it. You don't have to analyze it. Well, you know, it's really, I don't know. I heard this great thing the other day. Zig Ziglar, you may know the name. Great. Great inspirational speaker, was like 100 pounds overweight, and he's like, I can't inspire anybody 100 pounds overweight. Can't do it. And he couldn't run to the mailbox. So instead of having a great plan of like, I got to go out and work out and do something for 25 minutes a day or 30 minutes or whatever number you think is the right number, he just ran to the mailbox. And the next day he ran to the neighbor's Boundary and so on. You just move. You just go. You don't analyze it. You do a little bit. It's the same thing. We overanalyze and do nothing. Well, I don't know what the market, I don't know. And with the Fed, and I don't know. You can talk yourself into the I don't know's and I won't move so easy. And it's been around forever. It just, I think it's even worse now because there's so much worthless data out there. Tom Brady has never thrown more incomplete passes in the first three and a half minutes of a game. Okay. Boy, that's an important stat. No, it's not. It's not. It's so much data from everything, everywhere. And you go into the market, we've never seen the first week of October look like this before. We haven't? Wow, because the market's been around for Eight million years. So we have eight million data points. That's really something. No, we don't. It's barely been around. We have a few Octobers. It's a pointless data point. And so are so much of this. The real question you want to kind of get to in this analysis to paralysis is to push yourself off the cliff and know you can't be right. You're building the spreadsheet, and you're adding all the data, and you know how your brain works. I fall out of the boat this way, boom. This is my problem. This is what I do. I overanalyze, and I won't even dig a hole. I analyze all day long where I'm gonna plant the tree. Just plant the tree. You don't have to worry about how deep it's gonna go. Just plant it, dig the hole, go. It's okay. Imagine what you do with all the data and the fear that comes with that when a person is trapped because they're smart and they know how to work spreadsheets and it's how they're wired. It's who they are. It's not a put down, it's who they are. It's like me saying, I'm just I hate myself because I'm so passionate. That's who I am. I just am passionate. That's that's who I am. I, I, I get too wound up. I get too angry. I get too frustrated. Sometimes I do, and I fall out the boat that way. But it's who I am. I'm not sitting here and putting that down. I'm trying to work on it. Try to get more to the center in my boat. And when it comes to spreadsheets and you're thinking about your investing and in all of those things that just grind on you, and you're like you're going to pull the trigger at the right time. No, you won't. You will not. And it'll roll back up, and you'll be standing there with your spreadsheet analyzing the next pullback that'll give you an opportunity that you will not take advantage of. It's true. And the more data you get, the worse the spreadsheet gets, and the more you get stuck there. The only real question is, is the market going to go back to all-time highs? Yep. You say, no, I don't think so. Well, okay, you can bet that way. But I'm not saying this year, I don't know when. But if you're saying no, you're saying for the first time in all of history, for 300 years, the market will not go back to all-time highs. Because it always has. So if you're able to buy the great corporations of the world on sale, 20% off, 25 30 And you're worried about getting 33% off instead of 30. Don't you think you're going to miss? Doesn't that kind of remind you of like the estate sale thing, right? Everything is like 10% off the first day. Second day, 30% off of what's left. You're thinking, man, I want that dresser. I do. I do. I'll come back tomorrow. Because it'll be 50% off. It's gone. You miss it. We do, it, that's like the market, right? I always wanted to buy Amazon down. You did? Well, in morning trading, you had an opportunity to buy it at below 100 yesterday. By the way, it was over 150 not long ago. Well, I don't want to own the greatest retailer in the midst of, okay, okay I got it. Analyze it. Put it down on a spreadsheet. Figure out where earnings are going to be. They got some problems. We are analyzing to paralysis. We all have our things, all things in life. We don't have this perfect center in our boat. All of us are falling off the left or falling off the right in various things. In various things and we just have to try to understand who we are. And you thinking you're smart and analyzing things to death paralyzes you. It's been around for a long time. I think it's worse now. All right, Joseph, hang on. I'm sorry, I've got it. gotten way over and I gotta take a break. Our number here is 580-5436-580-KIDO. It's Dave at petsofinancial.net. We'll be right back. Hello, welcome, thank you for joining us. 580-KIDO. That is our number. And uh, if you want to reach us also, our email is dave at petsofinancial.net. Let's go to a patient caller. Joseph, thank you for waiting. Go ahead, please.
1: Ah, Good morning, David. Good morning. Um, I'd like you to comment on this one theory I heard. um, We'll call it the theory of um, uh, fear. And um, how it works, uh, we'll go back to primitive man, you know, uh, he might have had three choices, Uh, find an attractive patch of berries, find a a suitable mate, or get eaten by, you know, let's say a puma. And anyway, so the the fear says, okay, uh, run from the puma, be very cautious because I can always get another chance that, you know, patch of berries or, you know, find another mate some other time. Well, this uh, fear mechanism is still you know, just deep into us, but it's being used by everything from advertising to what we'll call the info porn on the Internet about stocks. Mm-hmm. For example, uh, there's some bizarre stuff where, you know, uh, what is it? Michael Berry says this, uh, uh, you know, Ray Dalio does this and, uh, you know, Warren Buffett says this. All of it is aimed at fear uh, that how do they make their money off that? because every few minutes a commercial pops up. And so whether they're right or whether they're wrong makes no difference as long as they can get eyeballs on their website and commercials. But it's all based upon our innate uh, fear of losing or, you know, getting eaten, so to speak. And uh, that's how they make their money.
0: It's true. Um, And and it is something that I tell people that all the time, that financial pornography is a huge problem and people just don't get it. They think it's okay to go on and click on that website. And all it does is start this whole analysis to paralysis, or as you rightly point out, the fear mechanism, and we don't do anything, or we do the wrong thing. Instead of, you know, it's a simple fight and flight. I understand what you're saying about the, you know, Puma. But... And you're right. But at the same time, we also see that all the time. It's like there's, you know, my computer knows that I'm a heterosexual, middle-aged man. It does. It knows that. It also clearly knows that I'm a financial guy because I get financial ads all the time, right? So they know that. But they also know that I won't click on the ad things that lead me into the, I just don't get them like I see other people get them because they gave up. Once you click on those, it goes deeper and deeper. So, Joseph, you're absolutely right, and people just don't realize how deadly dangerous that is. Or It's such bad misinformation, and it also goes right to the human fear, right? It goes right exactly to the heart of that to convince people that it really is that bad and that they really, really need to click the next page and really learn more about the pending doom and gloom, I don't know, in tech world, right?
1: Yeah, in fact, uh, we need a bumper sticker that says something like, If it's on the Internet and it's free, you are the product.
0: Mm, Very good. Good point. You are, and your data is. So protect it. In other words, your data, meaning where you go, protect that. You have to. Don't go there. It not only misleads, it feeds more to you of who you are. Oh, yeah, I get golf ads, too, because they know I play golf. You know what I'm saying? They do. And if I started talking more... Uh, uh, about, you know, jet skis or something, my phone would start popping up jet ski ads. They're listening. They're listening, too. So you it is very important that we keep our searches in a reasonable way. And I, you, we hear it all the time. You hear people's dialogue all the time, very, very angry, very, very agitated about how bad things are and how, as I, I was reading somebody this, this past... Uh, week, it's probably in the journal, is just how, how this is really pervasive when we think about if you're not perfect. Like, you, you and I, let's just say we're both generally Republicans, but you're not as conservative as I am, so you are a rhino, Joseph. You just don't aren't real at all. And when we define that instead of the broader categories, that's how, A, you can divide people up and lose elections, Right. But you can divide people up that really ought to generally be getting along great and have a lot in common and figure out why we can't. And so I, I think those are. this is so super true in investing as well, where we slice and dice and play those fears, and the person goes down that corridor here looking at the gold or looking at the equity indexed annuities and all the fear things out there, then they keep feeding more. Joseph, thank you. Great call. I appreciate it. Thank you, you, sir. Have a great rest of the day. Hey, Ron, you hang on, please. And our number is 580-5436-580-KIDO. kido Uh, we got a Fox News break right now, and uh, Ron is up to bat next. We'll be right back. Hello, welcome, and thank you for joining us. And, of course, if you have any comments or questions during the week, that's easy. Go to petsofinancial.com. Also there, you'll find calculators and articles to help you with your own financial planning as well as podcasts and, um, and uh, YouTube as well. So we've got our YouTube up and going. We, and and uh, this was interesting to me, but with the analytics, we've had 40,000 downloads all around the world. It's very interesting. I think there's military out there, and hello, thank you for your service, um, all around the world that uh, uh, is, is downloading. And so that's great. And it's, of course, at the Apple Store as well. If you miss anything, want to catch it, there you go. All right, let's go to the phones, and it's 580-KIDO. Ron, thank you for holding. Go ahead, please.
2: Yes, yeah, so I have a question about uh, I bonds, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, are they affected by rising interest rates also, or are they quote-unquote exempt from that?
0: Well, they, uh, let's, let's, let's talk about what they are, Ron, and why. Rising interest rates do not affect the bonds. Pricing, okay? What you're thinking about is I go out and I buy a treasury bond, and let's say I get it at 4%, and then 30-year treasuries go to 5 okay? That's a big, bad effect if I want to go to sell that bond anytime in the next 30 years, okay, if rates are higher. Why? Because why would I pay you for a four, full price for a 4% bond that you want to sell, right? When I can go get one for five? Well, I wouldn't, so there's a big discount, right? So that's what, you, that's what people talk about with rising interest rates, how that hurts bonds. There are bonds that do really well in a rising interest rate environment. They're called floating rate, meaning the rates go higher, which includes U.S. government, floating rate debt. Uh, so, you can, so you can take any of the credit risk out of play, and you can use that as well. But those are becoming very popular as well. Now let's go to the i bonds. What does that do? Ron, They are uh, the I bonds are inflation bonds. They are based on the inflation rate. Now they typically move with interest rates, okay? But they're, that is not the, the interest rates play no effect on it. It's based on what the CPI is. and you will then have your bond earn that for six months and then they'll reset based on what the CPI is not necessarily that month but around that time and then it sets it for 6 months for you again. And that if you if you cash it in over the first 5 years you'll lose 3 months interest. If you keep it for 5 years then you can go and sell it and off you go. You can only put 10,000 a year per person in. And right now that's what there's so much buzz about it because October let's see, can you do it? yeah, October 31st. So if Monday, if, if you go on this weekend and or Monday, you're going to get over 9% for the next six months. Or if you wait until Tuesday, I believe it's going to be a little bit below 7% is what the new inflation rate is going to be. Okay?
2: Okay. Uh, so, but if you buy them in an ETF, there's no advantage because they're affected uh, by normal market conditions.
0: I don't think you can buy them in an ETF. I don't think you can buy I-bonds. You can buy, what you're talking about are TIPS, Treasury Inflation Protected Bonds. They're totally different than I-bonds. I-bonds are only available per individual. I can't buy them for you, pretending you're a client. I can't buy them for you in your portfolio. You have to go to Treasury Direct, link up your bank account, and then you can buy them there. That's it. And, and you have to do that on your own. No advisor can do that for you. I mean, I suppose, you know, you pay somebody to come to your house and good on your computer, give them all the data, and then you're off and going. But what I'm trying to say is you can't put that in your portfolio. You have to be, you can do it, 10,000 person. So, and, and I believe that, that people ought to take advantage of this high inflation environment. A government guaranteed bond that's earning 9% sounds pretty darn good. I know it's only 10,000, but hey, there you go. 10 for me, 10 for my bride. We're often going.
2: When you sell those, you have to sell them back to the government. Is that that's correct? That you that just works? yep. You just okay. sell it
0: back, and if it's within the first five years, you're going to lose three months interest on it. Okay. There are other restrictions in the first year, so just go ahead and read them. There's only about five of them, but it's it's fairly easy to do. And for those of you out there listening, if you can't find it out there, it's pretty easy. It's TreasuryDirect.com. You look for the savings bonds section. That's where the I bonds are. And uh, that's what you dump in. Just do it. And uh, in my opinion, well, it's going to be something I'll do uh, in January because I can do it again for both of us uh, because interest rates are st- or inflation's still high. And then we'll wait and see. It's not something I'm going to do every year just because because it's been not anything you would do for years, years, and I mean more than a decade. I bonds are like, who cares? Why would I do this? Now all of a sudden we do. Um, and of course, you wish you could put you know all of your money in there and get nine percent forever but that rate's going to come down as inflation comes down and i know if you've been out there on the internet inflation's never going to go away it's never going to get better but i think we know that's not true
2: okay okay so the tips etf is affected by normal market conditions then
0: uh, it is. It's by supply-demand com- conditions, yes, it is. And they're not doing very well. They're really not doing very well. I think that mechanism, the TIPS mechanism uh, for individuals, is just broken. I, I, I have not seen it work in 20 years, and I know we haven't had inflation in 20 years. They came out about 20 years ago. Everybody was really excited about them. Even in the professionals are, are struggle with it. Would do the 7-year one, the 10-year one, the 5-year one, and, and the interest rates are so low. Ron, I just would stay away from it. I just don't have any reason why you ought to do tips. Just go out there and use... I'm
2: uh, actually asking for a friend because I thought I knew about them, and I don't. Uh, And so are there floating rate ETFs?
0: There are, and that's what I would focus on. They're yielding nine... Or nine, excuse me. I'm back to the I-bonds. Sure. They're yielding 4% right now. U.S. government floating rate ETF is yielding four. They also have... Um, three-and-a-half to four-and-a-quarter in ultra-short-duration funds. It is a different world. We actually sent a video out to our clients. I was going to say like last week. It was not that long ago, maybe ten days that said, okay, for 10 years we've told you to hang on to your own cash because we can't earn any on it. We're not going to charge you a fee. That has changed, and now there are many things out there. And, of course, if you go down to your local bank, and I'm not even going to even name names because I'm not trying to get in a fight with them, none of them are going to give you anything on a CD. But if you look at it globally, in other words, across the United States, we've got 4 5% CDs. But I don't want to tie up money that long if I don't have to. So my point being there, there is a lot of stuff out there that is better than zero, that does not put your money in the market. A lot of stuff. The world has changed in six months, dramatically. Dramatically. But Ron, stay away from tips. I just don't, I, I, I just got to say, I, I just would stay away from tips. I don't use them, like them. Go buy your bonds. put 10,000 in, do it again in January, and then wait and see what interest rates do. Beyond that, I think you want to be in these uh, floating rate uh, ETFs and things like that, if you're talking about ultra safe. okay. Okay, thank you very much. You're so welcome. Have a great day now, Ron. And our number is 580 5436 We've got to take our final break. I think it's our final break. I guess I'll find out after that. And if it's not, I'll let you know on the other side that we got one more I right know. But we've got plenty of time left. 580-KIDO. We'll be right back. Hello, welcome. Yes, we've got plenty of time left today. And, yes, this that was our final break. I I actually am capable some days of keeping track. I can count to three. One, two. Yeah, I can do it. All right. Hey, I, I, I got to throw this out I, I've forgotten all about this. These the, the couple tidbits here, and we'll see where they go, okay? Uh, but I'd love to hear from you at 580-5436-580-KIDO. We've got mortgage rates over 7%. Seven. I, that's just, wow. Remember when we were not long ago? I'm seriously, I'm not, not a year ago. Talking about I wonder if I should get on that and and, and get that three percent, three and a quarter. I maybe we'll get two point seven five. Wow. Whew. Gone. Gone. And we and and, and here's a, a classic example that I want to if I can take a moment to teach on this when people talk about this that that it takes it can take years for the economy to Uh, be affected by interest rate changes. I mean, let's face it, we all live in, I want everything now, instant gratification today, Uh, I want to be rich yesterday, and I'm not going to wait for any period of time. And we're used to that. And so we expect interest rate rises to have this immediate effect. And it certainly does on stock and bond prices, things like that, right? It does. And it has an effect on those mortgage rates, which take months to affect home sales, especially home building. Why? Because these are all in process. I mean, that residential real estate development has already got the bank loan on it, and it's going to take years to get going. That's why these take so long. So again, just, to, just understanding when, when economists talk about the lag time that they have, we will be feeling the effects in housing of these raises in interest rates, even if they come back down next year. And they're not going to come back down to three. Nobody thinks that. But my point is come back down to something. And then those rate that rate drop will affect down the road. That's how it works all the time because markets are thinking ahead. We think in the now. We live in the now. We live right this second. I want, I want, I want right now. And that's all we really can perceive as what's right now. We can stop, take a deep breath, deliberate on where we're going. But we can't come up with any clarity. And we can't live in the past in a sense of understanding how grippingly hard it was in the 1980s. Sure, you can talk to people like me. I was there. You could talk to the 60-year-olds out there. Who, at that time, were trying to get started in a double-digit inflation, double-digit unemployment world. And we're totally happy. If we could afford 25-cent macaroni and cheese, that's all we needed. It's totally true. And it's just story after story. It's not my heroic story. It's all over the place. All the people who went bankrupt because interest rates were too high and they were in construction. Out, gone. It was an incredibly difficult time, and it took the '70s leading up to that to get in the early '80s to cause that. It takes time to build up to that. We had GDP that was up this week, and again, I, I you know, these are just—you're I, I, not here to listen to data points, but some of these things are important to understand. So I've got a couple of them here. I'll share as we wind up time here. GDP up 2.6 percent okay great we had negative negative now 2.6 and of course the Biden White House is you know going to do cartwheels about they'll do cartwheels about anything you know um, anything anything at all I'm not even talking about the stupid oil release here this is just lunacy these people are just lunatics but we have what we have GDP up 2.6 percent. But the problem is the numbers weren't good. They weren't good at all. It shows a consumer falling off of a ledge. Those numbers were really down. This does not look good going forward. We have got to be, you know, as you look at these, I don't care if you want Joe to be in there, you get, you, you know, you hate the Republicans, whatever it is. This is bad. This was a bad report. Headline numbers are not the report. And I think most people understand that. But also most people understand it depends on what news you're watching. Right? They're going to make it as good as they can on major media. Fox is going to say this isn't a very good number. And actually Fox is right on this one. Okay? And, 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 and I've already talked about this in the first hour, but I wanted to circle back. Because there's so many things out there that are just really interesting to me right now. Twitter's one of them. Twitter's one of them. It's fascinating when you think about it. You, you, you think about a billionaire coming in and blowing up a biased, horrifying, poorly run company that it was. He paid way too much money, but at least now Twitter might be something. And, of course, the left can't is, is just lost their mind about it because now propaganda is not going to be the name of the game anymore. It's not. I mean, you don't have to like Trump. I personally don't, okay? I just don't. I think some of his policies were pretty darn good. I hope he doesn't run for president again. I really do. And I really don't. I really think it's nice he's not on Twitter. It's nice. But he needs to be on Twitter. If the Ayatollah who wants to chop people's heads off, if they're Jewish, is allowed on, who are these morons that make these decisions? Well, they're all fired. Elon Musk fire them. But here's the good news. I know you're probably worried about them and their welfare going forward, how they're going to possibly get a job. These people, this is, how, this is insight into Wall Street and one of the more frustrating things, and I don't want to get angry, but I, I feel myself getting there. These guys are getting paid, in some cases, over $100 million after they wrecked the company. They, they didn't build a company. They're destroying the company year by year. They lose money, lose money, lose money, lose money, lose money, lose money. Eight times in the last 10 years, they have lost money. But I'm Billy Bob in charge of Twitter, CEO, and I deserve $100 million to leave. You deserve to be fired and pay back your bonuses. It's frustrating. It is frustrating. Not because I hate Twitter. I hate any of that. I hate any of that. Facebook, one final thing. Facebook, Zuckerberg. I was like, say, all these things are fascinating to me. There's so much going on out there. Facebook is down 70% this year. Not because regulators are shutting them down, breaking them up, or doing all the things they hyperventilate about. And they do a lot of hyperventilating, both on the left and on the right. And Jeff Zuckerberg, he's, not Jeff, um, um, whatever, Zuckerberg, anyway, is a, is a he's terrible. He's a terrible human being. He's awful. Okay? He's just awful. But it, that's not the point. The point is the market's fixing it. They lost $655 billion. They're now as small as ExxonMobil. Boy, times change. Markets move fast. And that, to me, was a really important lesson with that, with Facebook. Think about that. $655 billion market cap loss. Have a great weekend. Go Broncos. Jennifer Stone next week.